Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week on WealthTrack, how not to run out of money in retirement. Leading financial advisor Mark Cortazzo identifies the fatal mistakes retirees make and how to avoid them. Next on Consuelo Mack WealthTrack. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective. Ku and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences. Rosalind P. Walter and the Fairholm Foundation. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. One of the scariest scenarios for retirees is the possibility of running out of money. According to this week's guest, award-winning financial advisor Mark Rutazzo, when you retire and how you manage it can mean the difference between a comfortable retirement and a disastrous one. Cortazzo cites three hypothetical examples to illustrate his point. He calls them the three brothers. They each retire with a million dollars. They each withdraw $60,000 a year or $5,000 a month, but they retire three years apart. Brother one retires in 1997 as the tech bubble was gaining steam. Brother two retires in 2000 at the top of the market, just before the tech bubble bursts. And Brother 3 retires in 2003 as the credit bubble that imploded in 2009 was just getting started. They all invested in the S&P 500 and took the same amount of money out every year, but they had very different outcomes. By the end of 2017, Brother 1 had over $2 million in his portfolio. His portfolio had delivered 8% annualized returns over 20 years. Here's the scary part. Brother two had run out of money entirely in 2016 after only 16 years in retirement. And brother three had more than $2 million left 14 years into retirement. His portfolio generated nearly 10% annualized returns. What are the lessons to be learned from these outcomes? Well, joining us is Mark Cortazzo, a certified financial planner, founder and senior partner of Macro Consulting Group, an independent wealth management firm established in 1992. Cortazzo has been named to the Barron's top advisor list for many years, among several other recognitions. Our discussion began with the question we all want to ask. How do we avoid brother number two's fate, running out of money in the middle of retirement? What drove that was sequence risk because they had the same dollar amount invested. They invested in the same thing. It was when they put the money in and how and when they took the money out that right. that that was so devastating to that middle brother. Um, and you know the other two brothers have twice as much money as they started with, with having this very healthy withdrawal rate, and one ran out of money. So having a lower withdrawal rate 
or having a, a pot of money that you can go to that you can use, whether it's a, a ladder where you have bonds coming due or, or even just having a, a, a portion of your portfolio in cash or short-term instruments that you're not forced to sell equities when, when they are depressed in value because the markets have historically always come back. But once you sell those shares and you eat them or pay your mortgage with them, uh, the fact that the market rallied after that doesn't affect those shares. You've locked in that loss. And so these charts showing the market always coming back, if you don't have any inflow or outflow into that investment, that's very valuable information. Right. Once you start dollar cost averaging in or dollar cost averaging out, the volatility and the sequence can have a greater impact on your ending value than the average return of that investment. So, for instance, now, we've had a nine-year, nearly a nine-year bull market. And, you know, it might be over whatever it is. But, I mean, you specialize in helping people plan for retirement and in retirement. What do you tell someone who is facing, who's coming into retirement or very close to, when the market is really near a top or has recently peaked? Sure. So, um the, their financial plan is very, very important. Yeah. So understanding the difference between needs and wants within that portfolio is, is something that drives how we are going to advise that person. Because if a larger percentage of that number that they're saying that they, they need is, is discretionary, you know, they, they, they may want to help their grandchildren with college. They may want to have a second home or may want to, you know, take two or three vacations a year. Those needs, if we have a significant downturn in the market like we experienced in 2002 or in 08, those are things that you can dial down. Um, you know, so if it's wants that, that are comprising a bigger piece of that, then um, we, we're okay having a little bit more uh, aggressive position where you have a little bit more equity exposure because right. that's discretionary. If it's need, if this is basic... Right, your mortgage, your food, your health, whatever. That's something that you need to have a much higher security. So looking at your guaranteed sources of income, pensions if you have them, Social Security, what percentage of of that need is covered by that? And maybe you can either do some type of guaranteed income or set up a ladder strategy where you've got four or five or six years worth of income that... If the market's depressed, you've got money coming due, bonds that are maturing, you knew what you put in and what you're going to get out, you have a guaranteed rate of return if there's no defaults on that paper, and that money is available that's going to buy you time. If that middle brother wasn't forced to sell, right. the market had a, one of the most severe declines followed by one of the fastest recoveries we've ever seen, but if you were taking out during that decline... That snowball started down the mountain, and once it starts picking up speed and gets bigger, it's really tough to stop it or turn it around. A new client coming into you, let's say, who's fully invested in equities, what do you tell someone like that now, again, given where the market's been and where it could possibly go? Well, it, it looks, you know, what you need to look at is, is prospectively, what's your expectation for both stocks and bonds? What's the person, what do they need to earn in order to achieve their goals? And reconfigure their portfolio to adjust the risk profile and what their expectations are. You know, the thing that's difficult is sometimes people will use a very simplistic uh, financial planning tool that uses historical rates of return. They plug it in. It doesn't look at standard deviation. It doesn't look at uh, the correlation between those. And so they get an overly simplified 
output that's linear, and it's based on historical rates of return. Right. Well, if you look at long-term bonds over the last 20-plus years, the, the average annual return is like 6%, no, 7%. No, it's been high. And, and we're not in that environment now. So when you're looking at an investment, whatever the investment is, you should look at what's my upside, what's my downside, what are the costs and restrictions? And, and whether that's a CD, I have very little downside, mm-hmm. I have very little upside, I'm going to pay a lot of taxes in that, and, and that is a risk avoidance strategy that's effective for certain goals. And if you're looking at the stock market, here's my upside, here's my downside, I might have some tax benefit. You know, so those are, you have to ask those three questions for every investment and understand where it fits in your plan. Otherwise, you're going to Home Depot looking at all these different departments of kitchens and appliances without having a blueprint. And there's lots of shiny things that are going to be attractive. But if they don't fit in your house, you shouldn't buy them. Yeah. As far as what our expected return should be. What are you telling clients the expected return should be from stocks, for instance, and from the bond portion of their portfolio? So, so bonds, uh, 90% of the prospective return uh, is driven by the current coupon when you buy it. And so that is a, that's simple math. That's you know, simple math. It, so right. it, you, you may have a high coupon and rates come down and you get some capital appreciation, but over the length of that investment, you're going to have a reversion to mean that's going to be very highly correlated to your current coupon. Current coupons are, are 2 and 3% right now right. with high-quality paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our opinion, you're not, you're not getting paid to take a lot of risk with low-quality paper in the, the current environment. And um, if you look historically at the PE when you buy stocks and you go forward 10 years and you scattergram that, there's a, there's a high predictive value of the entry point of the price-earnings ratio when you're buying into the, to that, to, to that market. And so our expectations are more in the 7 and 8% range as opposed to the 10% long-term historical. Right. S- 7 to 8 total return, that's with Correct. dividends Correct. reinvested yes. for stocks. It, it's still that high. So, I, you know, I'm just concerned uh, to be realistic again, you know, thinking about what the withdrawal should be from a, and, and of course these are taxable portfolios. We're talking so, about yeah. individuals. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, what, what your realistic withdrawal rate can, can now be. So, you know, that's the tough conversation that we have right. to have with clients now is that are your goals achievable? And, you know, what, what is important to do is, is stress test that. Because mm-hmm. when we do a plan, we, we look at a bear market scenario. So early on in your retirement, we have a 20% correction. Oh, you do look at the bear market scenario. Oh, that is part of every plan that we show a client. Yep. So here is a linear projection. Here's a Monte Carlo based on current assumptions and, and a randomizer. And then also here's a Monte Carlo showing an initial hit. And what does that do to your portfolio? So um, if you look at uh, a balanced portfolio that you're, you're taking a 5% withdrawal rate. And, you and have, balance would be what, 60, 40, 60, 60 40 equities. or 50. 50, okay. Um, bonds, uh, right. Uh, stocks to bonds. Right. Um, and you, you have a 5% withdrawal rate. You have a, about a 90% chance of, of not running out of money over a 30-year period of time. If you have a 15% hit to that portfolio in the first year, and you take out that same $50,000 a year, but now you're starting with an 850 base instead of a million-dollar base, your chance of running out of money goes to 50%. Wow. So... It's the volatility, so risk-adjusted returns, mm-hmm. not just returns, 
are very, very important as you get closer to retirement and as you're drawing from that portfolio. So as an accumulator, time and volatility are your best friend. The longer you have to invest, the more likely you'll achieve a long-term rate of return. And those dips, you're buying on sale. Once you flip that switch over to being a decumulator, time and volatility become your enemy. The longer you live in retirement, the greater your chance of failure. Mm -hmm. And if you have early volatility, which is your friend as as an accumulator, and you're forced to sell during that, it it becomes devastating. So what are things you can do when you're addressing risk? There's only three things you can do. You can avoid it. You can manage it. You can transfer it. Mm -hmm. So avoid it. Sit in cash. Mm -hmm. You have enough money. You Mm -hmm. can earn 1%. You have $10 million. You're earning 1%. You have a Mm $100,000 a year income. Maybe that's enough. You live happily ever after. Right. Um, but, but at least maybe that tells you that, that instead of you know, having that balanced portfolio, that you should, you should take a portion of that, like right from the get-go, to have an emergency but, fund, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And yes. to, to have, right, so that's, okay. Yes. So, you know, there, there are things where uh, people can tap the equity in their home, you know, right. doing reverse mortgages, or you know, they may have a second home that they can sell. Mm-hmm. So, so these are options. You just need to understand when there's a fire, have you done a fire drill? Right, And right. that's the, the value of, of planning and having a strategy and having a coach. Because you go in with a game plan and something happens. A player gets hurt. It rains. And you need to adjust. And so that's what differentiates great coaches from other coaches is they have a plan and they have a contingency plan. And as, as far as the risk mitigators, they're usually considered to be kind of ancillary to your core portfolio Correct. of stocks and bonds. And how much of them do you need in order to really dampen the volatility? Oh, so looking at things that, that have a, a bigger magnitude of protection, you know, uh, long-term treasuries are an yes. example. You go back the past 90 years and you look at each individual year where the stock markets had a decline, uh, virtually every one of those they long, go up. long-term treasuries have, have rallied because there's a flight to quality. I, I'm locking in, albeit maybe a, a modest return, but I know what I'm getting long-term on that, and that's appealing to people. Right. Um, the magnitude of that protection is high. I could sit with cash mm-hmm. at a 1% or zero rate mm-hmm. of return, and the market drops 50%. I drop 25% because this is basically doing zero. This doesn't amp up when that happens. Right, with I a see. treasury, you might get a 10, 12, 15, 18% spike in that. You're not going to have it dollar for dollar, but that can give you a much better shock absorber. Mm-hmm. So um, the problem with it is those protections tend to provide you value very inconsistently. Right. Where they're not doing anything. They seem lame. Why do I own this? And, and it's usually when you're at the maximum threshold of pain where I just want to get out of this thing, whether it's emerging markets or long-term bonds, and they're not doing anything, when you're just about saying, I'm done with these, is usually when they do the best. Yeah. And so the problem with that is, they don't work often. They, they might not work all the time, but when they do work, it's a meaningful move and, and, and benefit. And it really takes a lot of discipline to, to keep that as part of your portfolio when everyone else is saying, why do you own that? That's not, yeah. hasn't been doing well lately. And the third thing that you can do is you can transfer risk. And there's lots of different ways to transfer risk, you know, whether it's buying some type of guaranteed income or buying puts on, on the market. Those are things that cost you money mm-hmm. and they provide absolute protection. It's not relative protection. You're paying someone for that. Now, here's the problem. If it's insurable, it is a low likely event of occurring, but if it occurs, it's financially devastating. And as far as annuities, I'm very uh, interested in alternative sources of income. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a complete transference of risk. It's it's on the insurance company or 
whatever. What's your view on on annuities and the place that they hold uh, um, in a person's financial plan? They're uh, in a lower interest rate environment. Now that we've seen rates come up a little bit, they're starting to get to be a bit more attractive. Right. Um, you do have um, mortality credits. You're pooling your risk with someone, and if if you know, they die, there's more money in that pool for the people who live. So you get a disproportionately high cash flow if you are the person who lives longer. Right. Um, the interesting uh, thing with that is most people think that they're an above-average driver, um, and they think that they're going to live longer than others. Uh, some of it's unwarranted. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're a smoker, and they've got a bad family history, and they think they're going to live to 100. Um, it's not how I would place that bet. But, right. Um, so, so there are things you can do. Uh, the problem with it is you're typically giving a chunk of money away for this protection, and it has an immediate effect on your net worth. So, um, Except that there are now more riders and things that you can do where, that, in that, fact... Absolutely, and sometimes that, as you're, you're diluting that primary purpose, um, you've got to look at, plug that into your plan. Mm-hmm. Does having that rider and just getting your principal back... What does that do to your outcome? Because mm-hmm. the pure insurance is, is cheaper. And if your primary objective is having an income of X that lasts for both you and your spouse or you, you're alive, um, then pure insurance is always going to be cheaper. A lot of times those riders are, they make this tough choice more palatable for somebody, mm-hmm. but financially they're diluting the primary purpose of it. So um, there are some really cool things like um, deferred immediate annuities right. that kick in later on. And if you die before that, you do get your, you, you can get your money back. Um, I like those because uh, you, you know where you're handing the baton off. There are a lot of scare tactics that, that you know, people use to encourage people to get into these things. I would look at, what's, is this a logical solution? Does this improve my outcome? Mm-hmm. And if you can get a distortedly high cash flow from that, it takes pressure off of the rest of your portfolio. We did an analysis on this. It was very interesting because very rarely does this occur. By putting a guaranteed income in someone's portfolio and having to take less money, less of a withdrawal from their investment right. account, it actually reduced their chance of failure during retirement. Hmm. And it increased their ending expected value because the, the part of their portfolio that was growing at a higher rate, they weren't taking money out of that as much. So it let that compounding oh, effect occur. So it was less risk with a higher ending value. Those are rare combinations. I usually have to pick which one's more important to me. But by incorporating some of that, right. not too much, not too little, it, it actually gave you a better net outcome. How concerned are you about the fact that we have had this bull market run? And I, and I know that you were telling clients over the last year that basically um, this is not going to last, so let's get prepared. And what did you do in their portfolios to prepare them for the, uh, the, event, the possibility of a, of, a, of a real market setback? Yeah. So 2017, the market went up every single month. That had never happened before. No. And so that sets an expectation. People forget Uh, That markets ever go down in a month, right? And and so um, on our quarterly market commentary call where we go through what did we do and what are we doing prospectively, we've been talking about in the last 90-plus years, we've had 25 times where the market's gone down more than 20%. If you do the math, that's about once every three and a half years. Corrections of 10% or more happen most years intra-year. 
most years you oh. will have, a, 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 in a given calendar year, you'll have a 10% correction. So this is a normal function that you right. should expect. Um, with some of the government subsidy and, and technology, I think what's, what's happening is we're getting fewer shocks, but they're more severe. And I think that technology does that. You know, it does base things really, really well, but when it messes up, it messes up in a big way. And yeah. so some program trading and things that, that, have, that don't have a logic to stop it from doing what it does amplifies some of these things. So we, when we design portfolios, we have a little bit of wiggle room. We're not tactical managers, but um, if we have a target of 50% allocation to equities, we can dial that down to 45, we can mm -hmm. dial it up to 55, and the composition of that can change. And we tend to try to avoid frothy. Mm -hmm. um, we're not trying to pick the best stock or sector and put everyone's money in it. We're trying to get market-like performance, do it at a reduced volatility and, and risk profile. And we run a dividend portfolio that's very effectively been doing that yeah. long term. Um, but it is not trying to get that last little bit. So therefore, you've gotten out of like what types of securities or what sectors? So, or... so we in last year we increased our international exposure. Mm -hmm. We increased our emerging markets because you know the dollar was high and and they had meaningfully underperformed. And mm -hmm. you know I, I look at if you're you've got an auto manufacturer in the United States and an auto manufacturer in Korea and they're both making a dollar a share and this is twice as expensive as this. Um, they're both good quality vehicles. I'm not worried about a coup in, in South Korea. Right, right. Um, this, is, this looks a lot more attractive. And, you know, we've had a couple of things that worked in our favor. The dollar weakened and, you know, you had uh, exports um, and they were undervalued and people started to realize that. So um, the problem with that is you're not going to always be right. You might be early. And it was like Wayne Gretzky. He used to go skate to where he thought the puck was going. Yes. And every once in a while, you're standing out there and you look silly because the puck didn't go where you thought you're going. Right. But if you just go to where everybody else is and there's 20 guys there, you have a 5% chance of getting that puck. If, if you're ha right half the time and you're the only guy there, you're really rewarded well for, for those. Uh, right. So it, it's having things that are unpopular and that people don't like. And, you know, if, if you are about going to the cocktail party and saying, I own the trendiest thing, and you're willing to have outsized risk in your portfolio to be able to have that conversation, we're probably not a good fit. Um, but for people who have values and, and this, this is important to them and it's, it's about freedom and flexibility, that's what that wealth provides mm -hmm. for them, that... It's important to protect that. If there's one investment that we should all have for a long-term diversified portfolio, what would it be? If we think rates are if going to rise, which, you know, there seems to be some pretty good indication, um, we've incorporated a floating rate portfolio that's corporate bonds. Uh, the, it's an ETF, uh, F-L-O-T. Um, it is investment-grade paper. And there are floating rate mutual funds and portfolios that invest in bank loans. Mm -hmm. This is not bank loans. These are corporate bonds. So um, the bank loan space is very different. Uh, bank loans aren't viewed as a security uh, in, in many portfolios. Um, there's things that you can do with a bank loan, like renegotiating the terms of right. that. If somebody wants to refinance that you don't have for with corporate paper. Um, and they got hammered during the financial crisis um, where high-quality corporates held up. So, uh, so you don't want to take the risk of, of a bank loan. Correct. Because you don't know where it's going to end up or who might it might be assigned to or whatever. But 
but the, the adjustable rate corporate bonds are different yes. are better because um, you know where you fall in the capital structure. There's terms on the on the um, the bond that aren't able to be modified until the maturity of that bond. So um, very low duration. Uh, it's less than 0.2 duration. So if rates go up a full percentage point, your principal will have very little fluctuation. Um, the average yield on it's a little bit north of 2%. So you're not far off of what you would get on like the ag bond index, which has a duration of six. So rates go up a point, your principal can go down close to 6%. So you're getting the lion's share of that yield, um, very little fluctuation. If rates stay flat, you're, you're making a little bit less. But you benefit from raise, r- rates rising as opposed to being hurt like with, with a lot of uh, uh, bond portfolios. You could sit in cash. You're just getting a much lower yield. Um, so it is, uh, it's a middle ground, and, and it's one of the few things that will benefit from rising rates in, in a portfolio. And is it a, is it a, a risk dampener again? Yeah. Uh, it's not going to have capital appreciation in a meaningful way, um, but your your yield will rise and increase as as the over about a thirty to ninety days these bonds all readjust. So as rates rise, you'll get a raise with that. Mark Cortazzo, thanks so much for joining us on Wealth Track. It was a pleasure. Great Close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is build up your savings. Americans are carrying record amounts of debt and have the lowest savings rate in 12 years. That combination leaves little room for error in the event of a job loss, illness, or any unexpected expense. Retirees in particular need a cushion to see them through bear markets so they don't have to withdraw principal during market declines, which, as we learned from this week's guest, can seriously hurt, if not destroy, their financial security. Founding father Benjamin Franklin, who was known for his frugality, said a penny saved is a penny earned. Start saving those pennies for the rainy day periods that will inevitably come for all of us. To see a more personal side of this week's guest, Mark Curtazzo, check out the extra feature on our website. He is a champion pole vaulter and talks about the impact that sport has had on his life and career. And we encourage all of you to share your thoughts with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.